Oh my god, his ass now. <laughs> Do I have to be fast in the track? I hate that guy. This race can change the rest of your life. Those absolute clowns. We're at 15bmx.com. Go on, do my best, and whatever happens, then it's good. My butthole got stretched a little bit. And I got a tight little butt. Look, I'm about to light this shit up. Coffee Chatter Live, where are you guys at? Oh, Canada! Coming out of the answer tent right now. Pop Dog Millionaire! Let's make some noise, Tori Nighthog! Whoa! Show Wine 93, Josh McLean. Man, stoked to have him on the show. It'll be um, good to catch up with him and chat with him. He's obviously been off the scene with injury, so we'll catch up with him about halfway through the show. We've got Rona to talk about, Simon's back winning. I mean, we thought he quit BMX, but he's back. Um, who would have thought, hey? Who would have thought? Boys will catch up. What's up, James? Oh, you know, not much, T. How are we doing? Oh, you know, pretty good. Ready to talk some BMX. I was, uh, you know, surprised to see those big old quads standing back up on the box. Two days in a row on the box, but uh, those big old quads, wow, they are just right there. He got it done. He did. He absolutely did. He's back. He is back. He is fucking back. And he did it all on a pro get Europe. I mean, winning starts with an absolutely great gate. He, uh, he got some great gates. You want to know why? It's because he's been practicing on a pro gate Europe. He's not an idiot. He's not stupid. He's got big quads. You know, it's because he rides a pro gate Europe. Do you think Liam Phillips wants Simon practicing on some janky ass gate? They don't spend hours and hours of work on some janky gate because they know it's not going to benefit them. The only thing that's going to benefit them is doing gates on the gate that is used around the world for everybody, the ProGate Europe. We're talking World Cups, World Champs, Olympics, ProGate Europe, highest of the quality. Get it today. Get yours. Go to them. Tell them you, we sent you. We're sending you. We are sending you to them. They will give you a free gate if you say Tori and James sent you. It's that simple. You need your track a free gate. Get your, get a free gate. Put it in your backyard. You don't believe us. If you don't believe us. Just try it. Give it a shot. See what happens. You won't. Um, <laughs> had, a, had a fun weekend at AZ. Had some uh, good clinics. Or started off my um, my clinic tour uh, in Chandler this weekend. So thanks to Chandler BMX for having me. Um, thanks to Rachel and Chris for having me out. Was sold out in the morning. Had some good good group of kids in the morning. Really fun. And then had a fun group of um, older riders in the afternoon. We could really work on some some skills and everything. So it was uh, it was fun back doing clinics. Really enjoyed it. I was gonna say, I mean, how how long has it been since you've been able to get a got a good old weekend clinic? And that's nice. Yeah, it's been a minute. So it was yeah. fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, thanks to everyone that came out. Good turnout. Good fun. Got to spend the spend the weekend at the houses also. Hung out at the Riley house. We got to go to the driving range, watch Supercross. Good weekend overall. That sounds fantastic. I mean, getting to spend some time with him at the track. I mean, I'm sure it was good weather the whole time. Let's be real. It's Phoenix. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't really get bad weather there in the winter, I feel like, unless it rains. But, I mean, that's what, one day out of the winter? No, it was sunny and warm. It was perfect. It wasn't an absolute convection oven like last year when I was there. <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. Did you strategically um, plan that around the weather? Knowing like absolutely, I'm just, yeah. I, did. I, I was, I'm not going back in the summer. It was way too hot. Um, so spring, it was perfect. A nice balmy 75 degrees Fahrenheit. It was perfect. That is really nice. Yeah. Yeah. How were the uh, uh, How were the kids out there? They're working hard, actually trying stuff. Good. Getting good kids groups. Were, Kids were really nice. Yeah, they're a really fun group. Good parents. Uh, makes such a difference when you have 
I mean, most tracks have good families. When you have good families, good kids, it makes a huge difference. It is. It really does. It's tough when you get the parents that are a little overzealous sometimes. You know, they like to hop in on your coaching and try to teach your kid while you're trying to do the instructing. It's like, you know, you are, I am here for a reason. You are paying me to, to you know, give my tips. Why don't you just let me do the coaching here? <laughs> I really appreciate it too. I had some people come from out of town in different areas of AZ. So thanks for, thanks for coming. Yeah. Um, next class in Mississippi in May. So I've never been to Mississippi before. Oh, that's cool. I didn't mean either. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. Pretty stoked. Never been there before. That's cool. Yeah. Do you even know what the track's like? Have you looked into it or have you looked at it? I haven't been there before, actually. Um, I know really nice people there, obviously. And um, no, I think it's the only track in Mississippi. No way. That'd be pretty cool. Someone could fact check me, but... Let's just claim uh, it early. Let's claim it early. Well, Magridge BMX is where I'm going. And I'm pretty sure it's the only track in Mississippi. And um, if it's not the only track, it's the only track I'm going to this year. So, you know, kind of half right. Bernie in the YouTube chat, just, yeah, as you were saying, it goes Magridge, baby. He already knew. He knew. Yeah, Bernie, yeah. Yeah, track operator I've been talking to. So stoked to come there this year. Heck yeah, love it. Um, so yeah, contact the track for interest of coming to that one. Um, how was your weekend, Palm Daddy? Weekend was pretty good. We got a beautiful sunny day out of Ab- out of Abbotsford to get some riding in. Um, I ha- I've had a laugh today because we were riding the second. St- so Abbotsford, Adam changed the first straight, the first turn, and the second straight for the women's side or the amateur side and then half of our side so our first turn got pushed back a bunch we changed the jump into it changed whole new turn and everything i posted a couple snippets of us riding it and let me say it's still rough like it hasn't been really worked on so the lip the landing the in-between is all super rough there's no big lips so we're riding it very cautiously but i posted it and like multiple people i don't think realized or thought i was joking when i said it's a new straight because it looks very similar even i remain i was like no no dude like it's it's a different it's two different jumps now. He's like, are you sure? I thought it? you were kidding. <laughs> uh, it? It's actually, it's good. It'll be really nice once it's um, groomed a little more. But what's cool is because of the way the first turn is, it's different now. It's actually nicer to do off the hill. So it's nicer doing a half lap because obviously you have the speed into the turn. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like our old straight before, like the turn was tall and there wasn't much room to get going out of the turn. So if you started high in the turn, cut down, it was perfect for that straightaway when, versus when you're doing a half lap. By the time you looked up out of the turn, it felt like you were already hitting the first lip. So this one, you have a little more space now, which is a lot nicer. The old one was tough, always. Like, especially when it was first built. Dude, it was no joke. That thing was really hard to race on. We were reminiscing on the weekend of the Abs for World Cup there and how, like, how gnarly oh, that second straight. That's one of the most technical gnarly second straights in history, for sure. Yeah, totally. Like, obviously, it's my home track forever. And... um I remember at the World Cup, like, dude, I was still nervous just to make it around. Just to make yeah. it through the second, like, straight up. Yeah. The first one was, I mean, decently long, but it was just a tall, steep-ass backside. And so steep. So, like, straight like, up and down. Like, so fucking tall yeah. and steep. But it was so hard because, like, you still had a lot of speed out of the turn. But, like I said, it was the lip was close to the turn. It was super hard to judge. So then mm. you got to get that one basically money because the second one was just an absolute booter. You couldn't even, you didn't even have time to break between them either. If you no. made a mistake on the first one. No, like if you made, if you wanted to break, like you're launching into the middle of the next one. That second jump has absolutely <laughs> claimed some folk yeah. over here. <laughs> oh, the amount of crashes I've seen there have been so fucking gnarly. Dude, we've had some good ones. We got to, okay. Yeah. There have been some unbelievable ones there. 
Yeah. But yeah. I remember like every, we'd ride there, whatever, two, three times a week forever. Yeah. And most of the time, like the, especially the first few years when it was really steep and peaked out, um, my first time through in warm up, I'd be a little nervous and be like anxious to do it. Then after the first time you'd kind of settle in, but it was tough. And then even from the hill, like if you did a half lap, you're coming in faster. So it was hard to judge. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's, it was, I, I think riding that one and going to any other track always was just like a breath of fresh air because everything, everything you did away, like when you went somewhere was super easy after that. Yeah. Like I remember in 2013 when we rode it a ton before the Chula world cup in, on the London track, we went to the London track, second straight felt easy compared to Abbotsford. Like this is nothing. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. It's wild to think about. Cause I know we were all kind of nervous to do that one too. Cause it was super big and peaky, but it makes a difference if you have a tough track to ride all the time. Oh, honestly, it really does. Yeah. Were, were you there the day that, uh, the first day we put the limestone down on the second straight? Um, I know it was me and Alex. <laughs> no, you and Alex told me you almost oh, weeded yourself. I it was still so dude, I got to tell this one because <laughs> this is just all time. Like, so everyone knows like we, the track never used to be limestone. So at one point we put the limestone on top and that's when the track was getting pretty weathered. I think so Adam, like he, he made the mm -hmm. limbs a little bigger, whatever. And he, he soup he souped up those puppies a little. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He souped them up. And, uh, on the day, I don't know what we were doing, but, uh, we start doing second straights, first runs through Adam said it was hard packed. It's a pretty nice sunny day, but so we're like, okay, sure. Like, I'm sure it's fine. Alex goes very casual, 60% out of the turn. And I'm pretty sure he like jumped the first one, like super casual, jumped the second one, kind of bogged down. It looked like maybe, and then just 50, 50, the shit out of the second one. Like I'm talking chain ring <laughs> into the dirt i think and i think he rode away from it from what i can remember and i was like what is he doing like what an idiot why would he go so like 60 percent? like just go faster it's not that it wasn't the gravel it was he was going 60 percent. i was like okay i got it i'll go next it's fine i basically floored it out of the turn jumped the first one money went to like go up and over push through the lip of the second one and both tires just dig into the lip instantly and like instant off the lip midair, just ditch the bike and just going no, no bike through the air, just straight to my feet on the landing. And like, I think I just like rolled out of it after somehow got away completely fine. One of those instances though, it just absolutely, I was, I was long for the ride. Fucking terrifying. There's nothing more terrifying than hitting a soft spot up a lip, like a jump on a jump like that. You're so screwed. You just, what are you going to do? You got nothing. Yeah, you got yeah. absolutely nothing. Yeah. Uh, I gotta say that was a, like that's a that was a good home track to train on, like for a long time, especially with a second straight like that. Yeah. Um I gotta say Sergeant Palm Dog was looking spicy in his Instagram reel this weekend. I tried to. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, looking good, pal. Yeah, slimes were looking good for the vids, you know. It's always a good thing. Like I said, it was it was a tough one. There was only there was probably only two or three good runs through the straightaway that day just because of how bumpy and bumpy yeah, bumpy it was really. So yeah. Um, run. Yeah. Happy to hear training's going well. Um, Verona this past weekend, big, big weekend in the BMX on the European BMX side of the world. Uh, first European world or first European cup of the, of the year. Um, looked like there's a good turnout. Like looked like the stands were pretty full. I had a couple, um, I coached a couple of amateurs overseas that were there. That's so cool. yeah, I know from them, like the track was pretty tech you see the first straight on the m side dude yeah there's no way we, you don't we don't have shit like that in north america can you that, imagine no. people roll up to a national and they see a first straight like that they'd lose their mind but like, how the hell are we supposed to ride that thing the, the, the step up the second jump was huge for them dude that thing was gnarly and then the worst part from the m side is like they just have the same triple as the pros as the supercross hill <laughs> and there's just nothing you can do 
<laughs> it's just they just you just gotta go to, you just gotta jump two in and then pump one out like there's literally no other line the yeah. lips like the lips like whatever eight feet straight in the air it's like what are you gonna do <laughs> you get a double manual good luck yeah good luck you're not gonna get your back end down with that thing no, you're two like and one that, out that, all day long i feel for the amateurs there like what do you the jumps built for the pro side like you, it's tough yeah it's it's definitely is I know it's like you could probably put a step down down the backside. It might make it a little bit easier for the amps because then they can at least go jump and then nail down. Like that might be a fair compromise. Yeah. I think you kind of, if you have two hills, you kind of need to do a jump like that or else it really sucks for the amateurs. It just it, does. Yeah. It really, it makes it tough. I don't know what you do there. Like, yeah, you have to do something because everyone, everyone above, like, I don't know, probably the age of 12 is just two and one out every time. I know. And it's like, they probably obviously, I mean, they obviously built it for the pros, so fair enough, but you, you have to make it like, you have to have at least a good line for the amateurs over it or else it really sucks. It's not fun for them. Yeah. That's a, it's a big, yeah. it's a definitely, that is a super cross track with an amateur hill with it. You know what I mean? hundred percent. We talk about all like this, the, uh, the ABA tracks where it's just like, they just throw a, a big hill with the small track. No, no, this is the opposite. This is a big track with a small hill. Yeah. So, um, talk about it. Just check. the last just the biggest last turn on the planet let's just get that out there i have never seen a last turn that big in my life unbelievable isn't it you just you don't even use two like two-thirds of it the top half or whatever you, you, it's like just the most useless part of a corner i've ever seen like I there's probably never been tire marks up that high the thing is huge like even the first turn is massive like it's a bowl and you're flying into it they barely use the top portion of it i would say like now maybe a little bit but the last one in general, I mean, they go so wide or you go so wide at the beginning, you just cut down to the bottom. There's like, I don't know, a kilometer above you that's not being used. <laughs> you raced the World Cup there in 2021, right? From what I remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. So you rode, I, I raced like a, I went there for a week to train before Papandon, like 2016. I raced like a Italian national there. Um, kind of fun. Like, I mean, the jumps is different from when I rode it, but the jumps were a little weird. I remember like the whole track was just a little weird. It's yeah. like. I couldn't think of one. There wasn't anything wrong with it. It was just a bit different. It didn't really flow. It was like a little strange. It, that's exactly how I remember it too. Everyone said the same thing about it. Like the first turn at the time, like they changed it now, but the first turn and lip out of the first turn was just very strange. Um, I thought the jumps down the second straight then were good. And the, the whole second turn was just strange as well. Even the jumps <laughs> down was. the third straight was were strange. They changed it for the World Cup versus, I think, when you did it. But even everyone said it was strange before. I think it was fine now. Um, but that is the key word that everyone using. Nobody really hated on one specific thing. There were just many things that were just odd. I know. And I don't know, like, I've never built a track. So I don't know what happens when they, why it does that. Because there's certain tracks that work really well. And there's certain ones that just, I don't know if the lips aren't, like, super steep on pro sets. And you kind of have to, like lift but not at the same time yeah it's weird that's that second straight now even look for the guy's side looks very awkward because that first mm -hmm. one out of the turn again is very it's big let's just be real it's just big like tall pretty long with a very square backside and then that weird little drop down roller what do you call that it's not like a like a little <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you call those things that's a jump that i just don't even know what it's called i'll just pull a little i'll just probably call it drop roller i don't know mm -hmm. Uh, that's just awkward. And then, um, I mean, a good technical second jump, nice steep backside, which actually looked really challenging. So that just that first one, I guess, though, it looked just, yeah, awkward again. 
are you into setup jumps for pro sets or no setup jumps? Because I know in like in the US, every pro set has a setup jump and then it's just not a thing anywhere else. What do you what do you think of it? I'm uh I'm right down the middle. I, I enjoy it if it has it. I could care I don't care if it doesn't either though. Like it doesn't really matter to me. Yeah. I, I don't think I I don't I don't like hate it, but I don't it's not necessary. I think it's fine just I think it's better just to hit a jump. I like it when it's like it's a meaningful setup jump. So we have like a roller out of the turn Abbey now, which is so micro that it's just, it's just kind of in the way. And then you get ones like Papandal too, that little step down. It's like, just make it a little bigger. So it's in the way, like, so it's, it's something there. I mean, where it's like, they're, they're just so small. It's not, you're really, you get, you're not getting a huge pump off it. Or like the little step ups you have to tap. Like, I think it's kind of dumb. Oh yeah. I don't like the ups. Like don't like a, a Houston, that tiny little double step up thing. Like that thing's so micro. I wonder what the thought process was for it because it like jumps like that in general. Like why? I think it's a take up space. I don't know. Like Rock Hill doesn't have one. That's a nice sprint at that one. I kind of like it sometimes flows well if it goes like double roller, double. double. Yeah. I'm a fan of the rollers in between. That's nice too. Or like Paris when it goes jump step down. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Those pumps are great. If Once again, if they actually make it with some substance, I'll say. Yeah. Like the, but I was going to say like a, an Oldsmar where the roller's so big that I think it makes a difference. I like that one. I wouldn't call Slows that, a, would you call that a setup jump? It's not really a setup jump. No, not really. That's kind of tech though for a roller, especially before a pro set. Right? Yeah. Like it's tall. It's, I wouldn't say it's steep, but it's tall. It's actually, you really got to get over that thing. Mm, yeah. A um, couple big, uh, well, a few crashes, unfortunately. Um, I don't know what you want to get into first. I don't know why I brought that up now, but talking about the track and just the gnarliness. Bad Holy moly, moly shit. I didn't see oh. it, but I saw the photo. My goodness. Her and Meryl kind of, that kind of crap. Yeah. Hope they're both. Okay. Tough, tough look for that. That's just all around tough luck. <laughs> That's first. really tough. It was early in the day or not. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure it was first round. I was going to say, I want to yeah. say it was first round. So That's tough. really tough. Really tough. Yeah, I, I honestly didn't see what happened, but I hope they're both okay. And that just sucks for it to happen anytime, especially first moto, obviously. First moto, two friends, you know, not a qualifying. I guess it is a qualifier at the end of the day, but yeah. Two girls that would have been probably in the main, no problem. Another big headline for me is Garayan winning. How about that? That was huge, hey? How about so, the U23 world champ beating the elite world champ? Here's Here's the thing. It is a huge thing, but at the same time, it's also... People forget that he's a U23 world champ, but also raced this race as elite last year and won it too. And the thing is, U23 is tough because like Isaac could have raced U23 last year. Pretty sure Cam Wood could have, and still yeah. they still could even, I think. How old's Cam? Cam Wood, he's definitely could have raced U23 probably. He's probably yeah, 22. So they both could have raced U23. So I'm not taking anything away from it, but it's like, obviously Garyon's elite fast. And yeah. I mean, Cam and Isaac could have raced it too. So it's like, it's probably not as big of a deal as it might seem. I think it's less of a deal to me because he won last year. If he was, even if he was, if he didn't race it last year and he only raced U23, it would kind of be like, oh, who knows how he's going to do? Like, let's see how he steps up into the big boy class. But to me, it's like, I've, I've already seen you race elite. Like you're just, we knew this, we knew all of last year you were fast enough to race elite. We were just waiting for you to move up and do it. But the fact that he did step up, I guess, and win it first go, like that is, that takes some balls at, it, at the end of the day. So how was he able to do that? Same as when people race USA BMX Elite and then go to U23 on the UCI day. Is that how he did it? Something yeah, like basically, I, I just don't think it's monitored enough. 
to be straightforward. When you, think, when you think about it, it's kind of weird in general that you can do that. I don't know how you can get away with it when it because UCI points get put into a system somewhere. How does somebody do that? Like for sure, if you can race elite on like normal races and then go to U23 and UCI, like take advantage of it if you want to, yeah. for sure. But it's just kind of weird that you can. Yeah, it is. I don't think it's right. Like it's not definitely you're not supposed to happen. That's for sure. <laughs> or I know like some people with other countries have done like pro in their home country, amateur otherwise. Like our system isn't like the, the cleanest. It's, it's a little flawed. <laughs> it's a little janky. Yeah. Like you, you probably shouldn't be able to race pro in your home country than amateur otherwise. Like it's a little sketchy. Yeah, it's weird. That is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just thinking like, about that. It's, it's like, like, cool. So you're just racing pro at home to make money. But then when you go abroad, you know that competition's harder. So you just don't race it. Yeah, it's like it kind of it kind of needs to be one or the other, I think. Yeah, it's kind of unfair to the people that race amateur constantly, no matter where they go. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. Yeah, yeah, kind of weird. But no, that was a huge win for him. Let's be real. That was pretty cool. I mean, he's definitely nobody needs to he's worry about him taking his time to ease into the elite class. No, he's a beast, that guy. Yeah, he's a, he's. He's legit. Just another one to the French roster, French, French elite roster. Simon's just the Verona assassin also. He loves that place, doesn't he? He must. I mean, if he doesn't like the track, he just kills it there all the time. Ever since the, what is it? I guess the World Cups. I was going to even say the year around before the World Cups. The dude just is unstoppable there, it feels like. Yeah, that's one of his speedways for sure. <laughs> and the funny thing is his speedway is out of like five or six again still. It's not out of lane one. It's mm. out of one of the other lanes. It's a good for like that that first straight you can probably win from anywhere from what I remember. I think so, yeah. 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 I'd say it's pretty fair from outside even. Yeah, I think so too, which is really cool. Like I mean, it's a three jump first straight, wide open. Kind of weird the jumps are a little smaller now, I think. Like that second one doesn't look big um than the first straight. But mm. very raceable, hey. Super raceable first straight, just hundred percent all out. Yeah. Speaking of uh, we haven't talked about Laura yet, but let's uh, let's get into that a little. At what age is her last like big World Cup or Euro- we'll, we'll say European or like USA BMX win going to come out? What? How old is she going to be when that last win comes? That's a great question. I'm- you know what? If you said like, it, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, if yeah, you yeah. asked like, five years ago in whatever, 2017, 2018, you might be like, oh, you know, in like three years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably. So you, you probably would have said around the Olympics or maybe, you know, Tokyo around there, maybe a year after, who knows if she keeps going, that kind of thing. Yeah. She's 30 this year. So is it, is it crazy to say that it might be in like, what if she, what if it's like 35? Dude. That seems okay. It's when I say 35, it seems like there's no chance, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, there's a, she might, why not? There's nothing saying that she won't right now. The way she's riding, no. like she's, Everything she do is does is effortless. I think she's very conscious of keeping her body healthy. Um, so I mean, like, if she just keeps going and just keeps performing the way she is, you'd, you'd think like at that age, even one will just come about no problem somehow. Yeah, I think being healthy is is even more important at this age because it you know it takes a lot more energy to come back for sure. Yep. Um, I think, and knock on wood for, but I think a good. Um, aspect of her career also is she's been able to stay pretty injury free compared to other people. It's just huge. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. I think she like even Mariana's Mariana's had injuries and Elise has had some huge injuries in her career too. Yeah. Laura, I feel like had a few earlier, didn't she? Like maybe when she was kind of around the 20, what, 2012, 2013 range, like with her knee or something. 
Am I, am I remembering that correctly? Oh, rings the bell, but I don't know specifically. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to say there was something then, but yeah. Other than that, though, she's been really, really good at maintaining her fitness and health and everything. So when you do that, everything just stays so steady. Meryl's set for a, a comeback for the, a world's bronze medal again. So she probably won't race back two months and then just come back, race the world. And third. It's a standard issue at this point. I've, I, this really is. It is standard issue. That's exactly what's going to happen. She's yeah. not going to race the next few months, come back and get third. She's somehow going to be extremely fresh, well-prepped in the gym. Yeah. And then probably get a couple World Cup podiums to wrap up the season and see you next year. I mean, it's incredible. It's just routine for her, how she does it. Yeah. Um. We got, this is an interesting topic I saw you put here too. No sport was better back in the day. Every sport is better now. I think you actually put this in last show, but we never got to it. So I wanted to re, I wanted to retouch on it. Okay. I couldn't remember if we talked about it or not, but I truly believe this. I think every sport is better now. You look at BMXers. I mean, you look at World Cups five years ago, 10 years ago, everyone's better now. It just... Mm-hmm. Sport constantly evolves. People get faster, smarter, better. Each generation, like you learn every single year, athletes, coaches, whatever, and you adjust and improve. And everyone just gets faster. I mean, it's the same thing in, um, I mean, all sports. Field, people get faster, swimming. Dude, you look at hockey, look at videos of Wayne Gretzky when he played, greatest hockey player of all time. Dude, it looks like a, it looks like a fucking bantam AAA player now, like a 16-year-old player playing the speed and stuff. Like it's yeah. not even on the same planet as Connor McDavid now. Not even close. No, it's funny that people talk about it. I think you've heard it too, that people say like if, if Gretzky was playing in this day and age with the abilities and skill that he had in his prime, he'd barely make a roster if he'd even make a roster. Wouldn't, no chance. Yeah. He, like not even, not even close. It's fucking insane to think about it. But that's just, that is sport. You're right. Like over the years, everyone learns from the people before them and you only add on to that from what you took. You're never really going downhill because everything you do is only, okay, I found something better. Let's, let's add on to what we already have and try to make it better. Speaking of which, I was at the gym today. I was at level 10. Anthony was there. You know, Anthony. Mm-hmm. And he was talking to me about something else. And basically it was the same idea. It's like, oh yeah, we're just, we're going to be, I'm trying out these with my guys. And we found an extra, like he was saying he, they found an extra like 7% in, in some area. I can't remember where. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like elite athletes finding 7%. Are you doing steroids right now? We were both shocked. They're like, there's no way that study was real. Like how do they find 7%? In border cross, does he mean 7% like speed improvement, time improvement? What? They were doing like um, something to do with their respiratory rate or something, maybe something to do with their cardio of some kind. And it was with regards to your blood flow with um, basically, you know, when you strap your muscles, you, you cut off blood flow and then you work out mm-hmm. basically to do mm-hmm. with that in some form. Interesting. I've never done that type of training before. No, neither. And they like combined that with something else. I think that's what it was. So anyways, the whole point around it though, the gist of it was like, yeah, it, he's another guy. He's a coach. Like you're just finding something that's just going to add on to all the good stuff you're already doing. And people just get better and better. And if you think like, I've seen, I've seen BMX videos from like back in the day or even years ago. There's no way it was better. There's no, no I, way it looked cooler. Like it didn't look cooler 10 years ago. It, did, it certainly didn't look cooler 20 or 30 years ago. People weren't even close to as fast as now. Like there's not even, there's not even a comparison in my mind. It's, and it's not to say like at the time it wasn't like high level and the best because of course it was. But if you compare it like, like absolute values to then and now, it's a different world. 100% eh? It's, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like 
in most sports, almost every sport, everything you do to change your sport is always for the better. And I think we've only, like, every generation, like the older generation helps to improve that era of the sport for the next mm. generation. So, 100%. so it's like, even if you're saying like the old school era was the best, it's like, well, those guys were finding things that they didn't like that improved for that next era. So it's just better. It's always better. You know what I mean? 100%. It's, <laughs> it's like, always better. It's like the, um, well, we got Josh coming in the chat now. So let's, uh, let's get his thoughts. Was it better back then? No, it wasn't better back then. Yeah, Josh, we were just talking about, we were just talking about how sport evolves and everything. And we were saying that every sport like BMX included is way like better and faster now than it used to be. Would you agree? Um, I would. I know like with BMX, obviously the tracks, the tracks have gotten bigger. Um, but then I would also say like, there's a lot more people who are good now than, than there was back in the days as well. What makes it a lot more difficult. Mm -hmm. Which that's, that's part of it. Yeah. Like the depth of field now is insane. Mm. So nuts. Yeah. Uh, Josh McLean. Thanks for joining the show, buddy. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's Looking good, buddy. How are you? Not bad. Pretty relaxed. I haven't been doing much. So <laughs> what, yeah. What's, what's everyday life been like recently? Honestly, it just wake up and just do whatever I almost feel like. It's pretty open and free. Um, probably the last two weeks I've been able to actually start driving now because I couldn't really actually drive because it was my right ankle that I broke. Yeah. Yeah. So I was never really able to drive. So I'm going back into a little bit of coaching now. So I've kind of been doing that a little bit and then just whatever I can do to help my ankle get stronger, basically. Can you walk now? At a very slow pace. Yeah. Jeez. So I, I've kind of, once I took my boot off, it's when I kind of decided to start driving. Because at first I was only really driving to like my little apartment complex gym. And just, you know, hitting some upper body. And then they had a little leg extension machine in there to do some quads. And that was about it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess for, for the people listening that kind of maybe didn't realize or haven't heard like your injury, what was the exact injury you got in? How, how did it happen at Grands? Uh, so it was, I think, second moto uh, at Grands. Um, I just, me and another rider bumped, and I just put my foot down on the first jump, and it just completely went under, like, 90 degrees under me. Oh, fuck. I just, I felt it, like, I've never actually, like, felt oh. an injury, like, instantly. Yeah. Like, before I even, like, hit the ground, and I kind of, like, did a barrel roll and everything i already knew something was wrong Cheers. like just instantly i felt it yeah at the time then after all that though i went to get up instantly as you do and i almost completely forgot like i forgot about it until i went to stand and basically then like collapsed again and everything on it Jeez. but i broke the the i think it's like talus or taylor spoon yeah so it's like the bone in your ankle that helps your foot move up and down. So I ended up breaking that in three spots. I broke my tail of the grounds too. I just still have six screws in it also. <laughs> well, that's, I was lucky, luckily enough that I was able to avoid the whole surgery. I decided so, uh, to go with. Yeah. That's a tough bone to break because it's the main weight bearing bone in your foot. Yeah. So it's been, it's been a while, but I, I'm slowly getting into like things. I've been seeing the physio once a week and I see the doctor again this week for another like four month checkup to see if it's actually healed and can kind of 
up my whole physio and everything. Wow. Yeah, that's gnarly, hey? Like, is it, I was going to ask, is it better to have surgery, do you think, or not? Like, what is, because obviously sometimes you say, okay, you don't need it, don't do it. But is it sometimes better to have it? That's a general question. Um, I feel like yes and no. It kind of depends on a yeah. lot of different things. Like, with the surgeon that I spoke to, with this kind of bone, apparently it's got like a lot of cartilage and everything around it because it's like a joint bone. So longer term, like 15, 20 years, getting surgery probably won't be the best thing. Fair enough, yeah. To do if I want to be able to walk and, you know, not be limping for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, but I, like I've had a surgery like on my collarbone before and that's completely fine. And yeah, so... I think it really depends on the situation. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear it's coming around slowly then, because I got to imagine like it's got to be a tough couple of months there, just probably doing absolutely nothing, no weight on it. Yeah. Well, the first like month and a half, I did like my parents were here for like a week and a bit or a week after the grands. Yep. And then I actually flew back home to Australia for about, I think it was just over two weeks, maybe for okay. like Christmas and New Year's. That's cool. That would so, be nice. nice to get home a bit. Yeah, it was actually the first Christmas we've had, like, basically our whole family together for, like, three, four years. No way. <laughs> wow, that's cool. Yeah, especially with COVID and everything, you couldn't even travel to Oz. Yeah, exactly. So it was, like, the first time, like, even, like, just mom, dad, me, my brother, and his girlfriend and the kids and all that, like, we were all together, like, my girlfriend, and we were all together for the first time. You mean your now fiancé? Nafi, I'm yeah, saying congrats, yes. Congrats, yeah, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you very much. How'd you pop the question? Uh, um, I just did it near the water. Just, I actually almost wasn't expecting actually doing it that day because I had the ring for about two weeks prior. And there was days like, hey, let's go for a walk. Like, let's go down to the beach and, you know, go sit chill by the beach. And then about a week beforehand was our four year anniversary. Okay. And I was like, if it's right, like, you know, we went out for a nice dinner to a nice restaurant and I had it with me just in case, so, you know, if the moment was right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, on the way there, we're sitting there, we're almost halfway there and she goes, oh, so did you bring the ring? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I br brought the ring. Yeah, sure. And she's like, oh, you don't have a ring anyway, so it doesn't matter. And then <laughs> we're not even at the restaurant and she goes, oh, anyways, I wouldn't want anyone to propose to me anyways at a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm like, well, cool. I'm like, oh, okay. well, not doing it now, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So it was a bit of a struggle to get her out because she just finished like a little bit of school and everything. So she just wanted to like, obviously just sit around and relax for a little bit. So I was trying to get her out and just like be antsy. Like I wanted to get out and do stuff, obviously, like yeah. me sitting around for so much. So, but I ended up getting it done. I just went down near the water or whatever one day when she actually finally agreed to it. And <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah, that's awesome. it's the best. It was actual surprise. That's cool. Exactly, and that was the I think the most challengingest thing was to actually try and do it without her knowing and having a clue. Because normally, if I go somewhere, it's like, hey, like I'm gonna go do this. Or at the time, I couldn't even drive. Yes, yeah, I only really <laughs> just started driving. So I actually had a friend. Like I called up the store and I knew they had it in the store, the ring that she wanted. So I actually ended up getting one of my friends, Tyler Smith, to go pick it up for me while she was at work. Nice. That's a good move. So she, so she had no idea. Yeah. 
How do you find out what kind of ring they like? I don't know. Do you just start asking? So, hey, like, do you want to just tell me which ring you like? Or they just yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like you just, you know, you can like, what I used to do was oh, like a, maybe a year or two ago, it was if we were like going to the mall or whatever and walking past the store and she kind of hints at like, oh, like, when are you going to get me a ring? Like joking around. You go, well, you try and pick which one you like and I'll try and guess. That's a smart man right there. That's a guy that's using his brain and thinking. <laughs> but I've, I've done that a few times as well. That's smart. I like it. So then you just kind of get a bit of an idea of which one she likes and then you just go for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> have you, um, otherwise, have you, have you enjoyed the break? Obviously it was forced break, but have you enjoyed the downtime? Uh, probably the first like month or so was yeah. pretty nice. But then I think I got to about the, eight weeks like two months was where i was just like all right i'm getting over this i gotta start doing something <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah like what, what do you do with your time at that point when you can't really drive anywhere to go do things you're probably stuck inside a lot hey yeah like i kind of just sat around i didn't really there was definitely no like sleeping pattern schedule i had it was just go to sleep whenever I wake up just yeah. <laughs> watch tv <laughs> like and then i even started getting like a little bit of a puzzle to try and do like it was just whatever yeah yeah feel you how do you feel do you feel motivated now to get back to training and racing and everything you're getting the itch or how do you feel i mean yeah i just want to be back and just be able to like go ride at the track <laughs> yeah. like it's just just being able to go ride normally like even like before sometimes it's like doing the same set of sprints over the time all the time and like just coming off the box it's like oh that gets so boring so quickly but now it's like yeah, I'd really like to go do some, like, you know, 20-meter sprint. <laughs> just give me something right now. Just let me go. Have yeah. So, like, I'll go, like, I'll go a couple of times, like, with my friend, maybe, like, once a week or, like, just go hang out at the track. And I'm just – I'll be there to film and just chat to him and then talk shit, basically. But <laughs> That just gets yeah. the juices flowing even more, just being there, hey? Yeah. Yeah. You've had a lot of change in, in sponsorships and everything, too, obviously, with – um partying with the team you'd been through or been with for a while now how was how did that come about um well I think it's just over time I just felt like just trying something different I've always yeah. basically only rode really two frames my whole life yeah. um and I just kind of wanted to just change things up a little bit just change the normal routine keep it fresh in a way yeah so I mean, I think we left on everything was on good terms. And yeah, that's cool. So I'm sure we'll talk again once I see him back at the track and even Angie. So, what is the, uh, what's the the future hold for for a bike? What are we riding? What are we looking at? Honestly, not sure. Really? Okay. Um, Probably at first when I get back, I'll probably still be on the same bike, the radio. Yep. I did actually think about hitting up and talking to John Sawyer about maybe trying out an Esquared, possibly. Great bikes, really good option. Hell of a bike. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you guys might like that one. You go to answerbmx.com, you get all the parts, everything all in there one place, go. too. It's fantastic. It's a hell of a service. I'm, I'm, in my unbiased opinion, it's for sure the best bike. <laughs> so I did think about that a little bit, and I actually did like kind of start the conversation a little bit, and we kind of spoke on that. But still right now, I think my main thing is just getting back and being able to get to a race. Yeah. yeah focus on getting back and healthy and that stuff will take care of itself for sure. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at in planning. 
obviously it's it's tough right now because you're trying to just get back and healthy and everything and the ankle can take a can take a while before it feels really good but have you obviously thought about maybe a like a, a race you want to hit first or like a, a goal you have in mind anything like that well so i've never broken or hurt myself like below the waist like ankle leg anything like yeah. even a toe Jeez. Wow. so i've never really <laughs> known how things are so at first i had like you know those high, high hopes, like, I'll be back quick, I'll be good. And I, originally, I was just like, you know, I might be back for Rock uh, Oldsmar, but probably Rock Hill. And now I'm like, there's no chance. That, like, obviously, yeah. there's no chance. <laughs> I'll fill in a boot at Oldsmar, and there's no chance I'm going to be at Rock Hill. Yeah. <laughs> so at this stage, I'm just going to keep going to the next race. So hopefully Tulsa. All right. <laughs> yeah. It takes, some, it takes some time. Like, it, it really does. Like, it, it gets to a certain point where you can walk and ride, but then to be able to do, like, all the stuff you need to in training and for it to feel really good. It's, it's yeah. like a risk for sure. Obviously. Yeah. I've started to realize that. Yeah. What <laughs> so is that's the... why I'm, I'm hoping I get some good news from the doctor this week. Yeah. Fingers crossed for you then. What is the, um, our world cups on the kind of in the, on the future plans then the hopeful future plans. Um, yeah. So Sam and then another guy, Scott from Oz cycling and my coach, like we had a talk about it and, it was kind of like, obviously it comes down to what the doctor says this weekend and if he gives me the all clear, but mm-hmm. the goal is to hopefully be good for, if I'm good for Tulsa, like I can actually race. Um, I should be at the first World Cup, but if I'm probably not at Tulsa, I probably won't go to the first World Cup. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, those are pretty close together, I guess, hey? Tough to hop into right to a World Cup, yeah. So that that's like hoping to try and get a race before a World Cup and then go to the world cup, I think, but kind of at this stage, just seeing how this ankle is going to, how long this ankle is going to take. Yeah. You get into like, are you like a gamer or anything? You got like a PlayStation you've been able to you know, enjoy at all. So I actually, yeah, I, ages ago, I got my parents to send over my PlayStation when I first moved here. Cause nice. I couldn't pack it with me. Cause when I originally, <laughs> like when I originally moved over here, I like my visa got approved and everything. I got my visa that morning. I went down to the travel agent and said, Hey, can you book me a flight? And she's like, yeah, there's a flight tonight at 10 PM leaving from Australia to America. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'll be on it. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> so I just literally packed up and said, see, I'm going. Yeah. Called my parents and said, Hey, I'm going to America tonight. No hey, mom, dad, headed to the land of opportunity. <laughs> yeah. And then I think I left and I didn't see my parents for like two years. Jeez Louise. Oh, no. so, Such a backpack. I'm going to Florida, mom. <laughs> so yeah, my, my family definitely weren't happy with me at the time, but <laughs> I do have my PlayStation here. Um, I was playing a little bit of the um, Call of Duty, the new um, one. And then I've been playing the Supercross 6 now. How is it? Is it good? Oh, the Supercross games are so fun. Well, I think it's a lot better than the old one i i played the supercross five got it probably played it for a week and said i want to return it i want my money back and (laughs) never played it again really it was absolutely horrible but this new one i think it's a lot better because like i started getting into it a lot where it was like there was all these like little i guess like cheats in a way to help Mm -hmm. you be a lot quicker and you can like really hook the corners and glitch turn and i was learning that but then i couldn't do it on five but now the supercross six it has like eliminated that oh shit that's probably better because me and me and james we got unhealthily good at at the games (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I got okay at three and four. But five, I just was like, I'm down. I threw it in basically just threw it out straight away. The MXGP ones too, me and James were looking up world records and we were smashing world records. <laughs> <laughs> it was the same thing though. Like you, if you knew how to like cut one turn and you skip one, yeah. like you didn't skip a jump, but you like, you went so wide on one jump that when you hit this turn, you just lock into a rut and then you could just yeah. rip around it. It was just like that. But then if you use manual yeah. gears, you somehow went like half a second faster just by shifting on on your own instead of like automatic yeah. shifting well do you do that so do you have your settings on manual or yeah auto? we had them on manual yeah yeah did you have yours on manual or auto i had mine on manual and then i was on um advanced physics advanced. yeah i think okay. you were right so you can really yeah. control like i can yeah, yeah. Okay, so you got to be fucking hardcore to have the settings that we all had yeah. on that game <laughs> yeah. even even though like people probably have no a lot of people probably don't even know what we're talking about i feel no. like but and <laughs> so most people just have like a gas and go we're changing gears using the clutch <laughs> fucking dude i remember because there was like if you did your lap on like a certain like when you'd refresh the the map basically to do like a the time trial you'd have like it was, was it the first run or the second or third run would always be faster than what than when it got rutted up but if you yeah. went the first lap and you didn't get the ruts in the right spot then you couldn't do the second lap faster so you basically yeah, just yeah, had to yeah. restart again every time yeah yeah uh, i mean we also tuned the bike so like we we, yeah. <laughs> we changed like the gear your suspension settings oh yeah we changed like <laughs> suspension settings and we did like the engine mapping and like the gears so like we had to like we had to use really high gears because we like the way we mapped the engines. We all the <laughs> uh, I've I've tried the whole gear thing and it just does not work for me. It's yeah. hard to find one that works. It's like yeah, I don't know the super how tight the supercross tracks are now, but I remember yeah, it's like we'd always be in a high gear, but you got to have it somehow sorted. I don't know. But I gotta say, we played the game a, like a fucking lot. Yeah. Yep. No, that was me the other. My girlfriend and I works at a bar just like not far from here. And she was at the bar. Um, she was working, I think, Friday night from like, she leaves at like 3.30 or whatever and came back at like midnight. I basically was just nonstop playing the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I just had, I had nothing else to do. Like it gets so addicting. Like it's so easy to just to play for five hours without doing anything. And then um, on uh, yesterday, I was playing it and then I actually went back to Peacock to watch the end of the golf because it's actually literally just down the road. Yeah, it was this week. Yeah, in Palm Harbor. I, yeah, yeah. I, I, so I live in Palm Harbor. I actually drove past the course today. No, no way. So that's why I was like, I had um, Tyler who wanted to go and I was just like, if I could walk normally, then yeah. yeah. But yeah. that's a lot of walking and my ankle ain't going to handle that right now. <laughs> yeah. I saw, yeah, I saw a, they were playing in Palm Harbor. It's so cool. It was a good tournament. Yeah. yeah. So I actually ended up going back, watching that, had a break, and then went back on it to finish it. <laughs> Man, I haven't played it in years. I really want to play it now. The six, and the, with the six, it's cross-play with Xbox and PlayStation. Oh, that's no so way. nice. Yeah. That's nice. I, I remember when we tried to play online, we were getting – it was really glitchy with the other riders, and it kind of oh, yeah, sucked. It was. I don't know if it was our Wi-Fi was always shit, but something was always tough. <laughs> yeah. It's one or the other, but it's normally just blame it on the other person. They're always. Do you have PS5 or PS4 or what? I got a PS4. Okay, that's what I had too, yeah. Actually, yeah. It's, mine's in Canada also. I don't even have it with me. <laughs> Corey, you should give it to me. I don't have anything. I know. My, it's, I think my sister has it. Ah, oh, bummer. Um, mm. Dawson in the YouTube says, who's your favorite racer to play as? 
I, I'd say if I could, I'd be James Stewart every time. Tomac. Oh. I mean, I normally would always go to Kenny. Yeah, fair. Mm. And I, I enjoyed playing with Plessinger. Dude, heartbreaking weekend. Oh, my dude. God. Dude. I almost but cried at the screen. I had Chase for my fantasy for the win. <sighs> but after I was more like, I would have been more happy with Aaron winning than me getting Chase right. Yeah. I could see that because, dude, I mean, yeah, your points are still going to be pretty good. But Plessinger winning was just like that. It seemed like the stars were aligning for him. Yeah. Yeah, like I had at no point in the main did I think he wasn't going to win. You kind of got to blame Ricky a little bit. Were you guys like, did you guys listen and hear? The dude, dude he, like five laps to go, he's like, oh, you know, it's going to be so awesome. I can't wait to hear what he says on the top step of the podium. You know, he's going to win this one tonight. It's just, you know, it's a long time coming for him. Dude, there's five laps to go. It's like they're getting into some heavy <laughs> lappers. Dude, chill the fuck out kind of thing. And that's what so happened. What I, don't, what I don't understand about motocross is, he, like, you see how fucking deep the ruts get, like an Indy last weekend? Yeah. Dude, that was insane. Dude, they're, like, dragging pegs up the lip. And then when they land, there's just a sea of ruts. How do you, how do you like, land properly without eating shit? I don't get it. But I think then, like, like, Daytona, when that gets all ruddy, but the lighting's and the dirt's all dark, so you can't see it. So you just like pin it and then just lean back and just hope for the best one. Like it's insane. <laughs> that is insane. Like they literally like, I, yeah, it's hard to, I can't even think about like uh, how that would work. It's crazy. Yeah. I can't fathom. That's the one thing I've always been baffled about. Like I get it in a turn, like a turn's one thing, but to, yeah, to land a triple in a rhythm section, yeah, land, pick a rut and then just do another triple. It's like, no, <laughs> How do you not cross rut? Or like, how do you not think you're in the other one and then all of a sudden go off balance? It's crazy. Like, how do they not crash all the time on those rhythm sections? Fuck. Yeah. yeah I guess they kind of do sometimes. Because you, you don't watch C practice qualifying. Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah, <that's... laughs> oh, man. Um, uh, go ahead, James. I was going to say, Josh, we got a, we got a game for you and then... Well, I think we got some quick shots. We forgot to do quick shots last week, but we got a game. You want if you are interested in playing, it's a, a little draft game where we all we have to like pick something out of a category, and then you know, that's all. <laughs> I mean, I can try. All right. So this, the, what we're gonna do this game, this draft is gonna be the travel draft. So we're gonna pick. So you can't pick the same as somebody else, but we're gonna have to pick an airline that we want to go with, our snack that we get on the airline, an item for comfort, whatever that is to you. The, the best thing about flying, and then the worst thing. So we'll just we'll go back and forth in each category. Oh, jeez. Okay. Right, I think so. Josh, the comfort thing, he likes to bring his teddy bear when he travels. <laughs> 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 no, nah, I think I, until I was like 16 or 17, I always used to travel with like a pillow. Yeah. Like, nice. a, full, like a normal, like not just like a little one, like a full-size pillow from my bed. Just no a way. body pillow. <laughs> yeah. I used to always travel with it. And I don't know why, but I always did not. Like when I think of it now, it's like then I still slept on that when I slept on that, like on the plane, and it's just like kind of gross at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gross, gross, but comfy. Yeah. Palm, palm day. Let's start. Let's start it up. All right. I will. I'll start us off with the airline. Um, I kind of wanted, I'm just going to go basic with what I know. And I know what, because I know they got, I'm just going to go with Air Canada. Air Canada, standard issue. You know, they go around the world, they got what I need. TVs on the back of the chairs, everything. So I'm good. Air Canada. Go ahead, Josh. Um, I like Qantas from Australia. I was going to say Qantas is legit. That's a good yeah. airline, yeah. That's going. Sorry? So 
I, I was going to go with United because it's airline I fly mostly now, but you That's, know, the K, KLM is a really good airline. They have good food, don't they? They do. So I, I'm going to go with KLM. Maybe Royal Dutch. Well, also talking like just like international, like Emirates and all that is really good too. Uh, I've never, I don't think I've ever flown Emirates. I know. That's real nice. Can I change my answer? I haven't flown it either, but I've, I've seen pictures. It looks awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it looks awesome. Um, all right, Tori, you get to go again. We'll snake draft it. Uh, snake draft. So now you got to go airline snack, whatever. So something um, that you would normally get an airline or one of the, from one of the airlines, you got to pick it. Pick one. I flew, um, what airline did I fly? I think it was United. They had Stroopwafels. I'm going to go with Stroopwafel. That's a good one. Yeah. Good one. Josh. I um I can't remember if it was either Virgin Australia or Qantas, but when I was flying back from Australia to America, they had meat like meat pies and like sausage rolls oh, on no. the plane. Those are That's good. So- that was like it was like one of the first times I think it ever happened, and it was the best thing ever. Those are legit. Yes, I'm gonna give you something a warm snack like that. Oh, those are good ones. You know what? That, yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna change my answer. I was gonna go with those Biscoff cookies. Because I mean, those are just. That's, that was my other. That was my other yeah. answer. Those are elite, and I was actually going to go between Stroop waffles and those, but I'm going to switch to. I think it's Air Canada. When you're flying from Europe to North America, so Europe to Canada, they like halfway through the flight, they give you these like um, not a meat pie. It's not really a burrito, but it's some kind of like yeah. Oh, those fucking wrap things in the box. Yeah, the wraps in a box that it's like meat in a wrap in a box. Those are like a three out of 10 at best. No way. Dude, they're so good. I don't know why. I love them. They're not even good, those things. They're just good because you're starving. You haven't eaten in eight hours. <laughs> Partly, yes, but I'm absolutely taking those. Okay. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, All right. Um, item for comfort. Um, this one might be a combo, and you guys can tell me if this counts or not. My item for comfort, my iPad and headphones. Does that, does that count as one? That's two. Yeah. Because I, I can't, I need one with the other to make it comfortable. I can't just have one of them things. Okay. okay. What I mean. <laughs> um, no, no, I'll, I'll, I'll switch. I'll switch. Uh, I'll go. Shit. Shit. <laughs> I, I'll go with just a nice, comfortable hoodie. Oh, I, I, like, I don't want to wear a jacket on the plane. I want a t-shirt. Like, I like a hoodie, something I can feel cozy in. You need a hoodie. You can't have a like a like a sweater. You need a hoodie on. Yeah, that's, I'll take hoodie. That was gonna be mine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah hoodie. All right, Josh. Uh, um, jeez, probably just like I'll probably just say my earphones. Mm, I, I think it's pretty simple because normally you would have always have your phone and. Mm-hmm if there's nothing good to watch on the little screens or something, or they don't have screens, at least you can plug it into your phone and, you know, either watch videos on your phone or listen to music. Yeah. That's a good one. I have, um, I have three pairs of underwear that are my favorite, most comfy underwear that I always try. <laughs> <laughs> three pairs. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with, I got a, my, yeah, my good underwear. What, what is your good underwear? And what's the difference between your good underwear? I don't and know how to explain it. I like the way they look. I like how they feel. So I'm gonna roll, I am gonna. like to roll with those like for a flight or like if I got something important to do that day, I put on my good underwear. I mean, fair enough. Nice. To each his own. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. 
IT. Um, oh, best thing. So now, okay. Best or worst thing? Should we do best or worst? Oh, we do. Are we doing both? Let's do both. Okay, best and worst. Oh, no, we, okay, yeah. Okay. Well, let's let our guests go first. Best, best thing. Uh, I'm gonna go and probably say the blankets that they sometimes give you because it gets freaking freezing cold. Those are a huge place sometimes. And I don't normally wear like traveling like long pants. So for me, when it gets cold, I get really cold because I don't. I just wear shorts, yeah. so I just wrap it around my legs and I'm good. That's oh, that's a huge play. Um, I'm taking a row to yourself. When you sit down, you see the flight filling up, and you just you watch people walk by. There's next one, next one, next one. Doors closed, <laughs> and you get the row to yourself. Like everyone does an internal fist bump at that time. Fuck yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with complimentary upgrades. Like when you're in the waiting Ooh. area, and they call you to the thing, and they and they just give you like a ticket, and then it says one A, and they rip up your <laughs> other ticket. And you just instantly pumped to fly. It's an absolutely incredible feeling that if, if you get to experience that in your life, it's something something else. It really is. Yeah. Uh, worst thing now. The um, I'll, I'll go the those headphones that they give you. Mm. Oh, those little earbud ones. Oh, I guess they do have that. I was talking about the other ones that like sit over your head and they've got like the little foam sitting on the earpieces. Yes. Crap. Yeah. Yeah. There's a suck. Yeah. yeah. I hate getting those because you get those like they'll give you two though to you like on a long flight. Mm. And it's just, no. It's, it's <laughs> that ain't it. Yeah. I'll it. sit there in silence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not it. Those aren't it. Um, I'm going to go with. This could be a con. No, I'll, I'll stick away from the combo ones. I'm already getting shot down on those. When you're, uh, when you're, you don't have an iPad, you got nothing, and you go to watch TV on the screen or a movie on the screen, and it just doesn't work. Like you get absolutely boned. You're the one seat that something goes wrong. They try to reset it, doesn't work, and you're just sitting there with nothing to do. Worst thing possible. Yeah. Just miss flights, especially if you have like multiple, like if you have like a connection, you just instantly know your whole trip's fucked and you're in for a roller coaster. That's, yeah, that's tough. I think, <laughs> I think Jay Smooth said something like that last time too. That's just not good. Um, last one, worst airport. The worst airport on the planet is LAX. Fuck that airport. Have you ever transferred through there? It's just the most confusing airport. There's no signs. You got to no matter where you're transferring, you got to go out through security, like take a bus to a different terminal with no sign and then like go back <laughs> through security. It makes no sense. It's dirty and greasy. And for such like an iconic city, it's just a dumpster fire. Up. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's up there for the worst. Yeah. All right. You go, James. Um, I'm going for, I'm going for Chicago. Just never had a good experience flying through. I feel like Chicago is just packed all the time. I think it's getting nicer. I've seen a lot of upgrades last Wait, time. Which Chicago airport? Like O'Hare or what? Oh, I, I was going to O'Hare. Yeah, that's the only one I think I can yeah. really go through. Huge it's airport. Massive. Tons of flights go through there. They are making upgrades, I think. But like the the few times I've gone through there, just it's just crap. Hmm. So. I was glad. So I recently just flew to Chicago and... They were doing like some kind of like work on the airport, and luckily enough, we had someone because I, I was in a wheelchair with crutches when I went. Oh right, yeah. And it was like a mo- like the two miles to get to baggage claim. So I was so <laughs> glad I didn't have like my girlfriend 
who's you no, know, she ain't the biggest person in the world yeah. trying to push me two miles like a 200 pound guy through the airport <laughs> to try and get our bags. God, that would have been rough. <laughs> it was eh? horrible. Yeah. But um, the worst airport for me, I was either going to say LAX or I'm going to say now Houston. Yeah, Houston's not great either. Because one time coming back from Houston, um, from Argentina, from the World Cup, I flew into Houston and they held me there for eight hours in customs. Oh, no my God. Seriously, they're yeah. just questioning you about everything or what? Yeah, I had a six-hour layover and then a two-hour flight to Florida and I was traveling with some people. I messed, they like took my phone off me, like went through my phone, like full, just like I had one lady who was just like full harassed me, like yelling what at happened? me. Like, well, how, how did it start? Well, they thought I was like here in America, like working, like I had an actual job. And I was like, no, like I'm here to do BMX. This is what I do. Like, and then they printed out like old, like online interviews, like full just questioned me, like went through my whole, like all my messages, like my whole entire phone. I was like, can I have my phone for two seconds? Because it was like, got to the point where like my flight was meant to land in Florida. And I was like, I've got people who's meant to pick me up. Can I at least message them saying I'm not going to be at the airport? Yeah. Oh my God. Wouldn't give me my phone. No way. Did they put yeah. you in one of those like rooms with a mirror? <laughs> yeah. So I actually ended up going and got processed like the third time afterwards to some guy saying, yeah, everything you're doing is fine. Stamp my passport and said, see you later. Oh my God. <laughs> Wow. So where I you, lost my mind. Where were you waiting the whole time? Like, were they just not saying, you're just waiting by yourself? So, I don't know if you guys have, but you know how there's that, like, secondary room? Not in Phoenix. Never, no, I never had to do it there. Like, at most big airports, like, when you go through customs and you see that first person before baggage claim. Yeah. And there's another room afterwards that yeah, they, no. like, they'll take your passport and they'll take you into that room. I okay. sat there. Wow. Just by yourself. I mean, there was other like random people in there, but like you weren't allowed to do anything. You just had to sit there. They had like a couple of screens that were just playing random things and you just sat there. Holy shit. It's crazy what wow. they can do to you in those situations, hey? Yeah. You got no power. Like, what are you supposed to do at that point, too? They have your wow, shit. Crazy. No, and the lady was like, would yell at me to like come stand up and then like, oh, you're lying. Go sit down. And I'm going to like this back and forth. And I'm like, I'm right here in front of you. Like what? <laughs> oh, and then like insane. literally even started like threatening me, like saying like, you're lying. Like you can, I'm going to send you to jail. Like you're never going to be able to come back. Like it was full on. Holy shit. That's so stressful. And I went through all that for like eight hours for then to get processed to another person higher up for him to go. Yeah. Everything you're doing is good. And said, so at some point, did she like send you off to someone else, the other guy, or what? I think I fell asleep. <laughs> and then I, I think I woke up and she wasn't there. And I just had to keep waiting. That's insane, dude. That's, that's awful. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. That's crazy. Talk about wow. a shitty. Yeah, no, that, that airport can go kick rocks. That place stinks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, even and that I had another crap story that happened in LAX, so that's why I was going to say that one too, because that was when I first like traveled to America. Yeah, fair. I feel like everyone we've all yeah, that's just yeah, yeah, fucking hell. So right, we got some quick shots. I know questions from the grandstand. We call them now. Change the name. I did. 
Um, from Ben Homeland, are you missing the Aussie cuisine? Yes. <laughs> it was nice to go back and just have all the food again over Christmas and not actually worry about what I was eating then. That'd be nice. Uh, from Pris419, what's your best sketchy hotel horror story? Um, when I left, so my dad and I did a trip in Europe for about four weeks once. And I basically had everything like booked. And I was like, the one thing you got to do is book the night of accommodation the first night we landed. The most sketchiest little place ever. It was like only one person could fit in an elevator. It was an old elevator where you had to open up the door yourself to then close it. Oh, no. There was a stairway that was like big enough for like you and your bag. That was it. Like, it was pretty bad. That's gnar. So, and then the hotel room itself was even tiny. Like, there's bathrooms bigger than that here in America. Like, <laughs> it was pretty bad. And it was like the bathroom itself was like a shower and toilet, like in one. <laughs> oh, it's like you're basically in an RV at that point. That size. Yeah, man. it was. It was miserable. It's a good story though. Now, <laughs> from Race Dwayne four hundred six, worst and best. Thing about living in the states um for me personally best thing is obviously being able to normally race bmx and be over here and you know live a childhood dream um worst thing is being away probably from all my family back home yeah um from lucas roberts would you rather only be able to do box sprints and track work for training or gates and gym work for training uh box and track work box sprints are always fun i thought i liked them you can change like there's so much you can do yeah nick dawson he's ask him about the gallon milk challenge he did in rock hill <laughs> you try to do a gallon so, milk? i tried <laughs> it makes me want to throw up just thinking about it i was i was traveling with some friends um down from sarasota and they like helped me go like this is like um this was the rock hill trip like it wasn't even a national it was just after covid everything started kind of opening up and i just went up for the pro open and everything and went with the family and the guy was like well with some of my workers i do this gallon milk challenge and it's like you know x amount of money and if you finish it under an hour you know without throwing up five minutes afterwards i'll give you the money and I was like, all right, like, I'll, all right. I don't care. Like, I'll do that. Bet. Anyways, <laughs> I had like, we had like two half gallons. And then it was like, if you finish this first half gallon, because like, we're five minutes in. And I was like, you know, confidence, you know, I was like, I've got this, no worries. <laughs> and he was like, if you finish this within like, I don't know, the next 15, 20 minutes, whatever it was, I'll double the money. No way. And I was like, bet so i did it. i finished it in that time so the money was doubled and then I, I i then stopped for like five ten minutes and i was like i'll give myself a break worst decision of my life oh no because <laughs> the rest of it was absolutely miserable i was out in the car park just just everywhere just like three or four times i've never like thrown up that much he's got it all on video i think he even posted it on facebook and everything it was pretty funny Pro oh projectile vomiting milk out of mouth. <laughs> oh yeah like mouth nose you name it oh, oh my god. god fuck that <laughs>
So uh, worth it. Hell yeah. Just for the story. Yeah. <laughs> well, Josh, man, we appreciate your time too. It's good catching up with you and absolute best of luck with your recovery. Looking forward to seeing you back on the track soon. Hopefully. Thank you very much. You guys have a good night. Thanks, Thanks Josh. Buddy. Appreciate it, buddy. See you later. Later. Josh McLean, everybody. Now it's the wrong button. I was looking for a different button. I wasn't ready for it, T. I can't hear the drops over here. You don't get to hear them? No, I don't know why. Yeah, weird. Drops is the best part of our soundboard. I barely even use them. I'm terrible at it. The best part. I miss doing that. I should probably, I'll try to use them more often just because you said that. So fun. Um, Good to catch up with Josh. I'm glad he's uh, recovering well. It's crazy to think that I, the tailless is a bad one to break. And that's the same. Like I broke that at the grands too. And I, my first race back was probably like, yeah, in May of the next year. So the recovery is long. That is gnarly. Yeah, it is. Cause I, I kind of, I didn't realize that's the bone he broke, but when he said it, I was like, I'm pretty sure I've heard that from you. So I think you kind of have some experience with that, but so you know, just how fucking gnarly and how shitty it is. Yeah. Like when I did mine, I couldn't even wait bare for like three months. So yeah. it's a long recovery. Yeah. 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 Tough. I, I don't think you really told many people. I don't think Josh has, like I'm sure his friends, everyone in Florida probably knows, but I don't think people worldwide really know. So, um, cool. That he was just, he, not cool to hear that, but I mean, now people know why he's been out. Absolute stud missing from the seat, missing from the series, just a killer. So yeah. it'd be good to see him. Good to see him back racing again in full, full force. Yeah. That was a wild, you know, when we talk about injuries with him, a wild stat I heard from Anthony at level 10 again. They were talking about uh, ski racers because one of the guys there is ski racer. He blew out his knee, basically. Apparently, he blew his ACL. I think ACL? Blew his ACL without crashing, just hit a, hit a rut, just caught his edge oh, racing. So he, he knew instantly. He's like, I just yeah, blew my knee. Apparently, yeah. there's some stat that I think the maybe the French team did where if you come back from one of those injuries, like blowing your ACL ski racing, if you come back within the first year, the percentage you're going to have have it happen again is extremely high. Like you need to give it an extra almost year apparently before it becomes yeah. like real, like an, a non-issue. Dude, all those skiers have had like eight knee surgeries. It's crazy. They can blow an ACL, any, any ligament, they can blow it in no time. That's nuts, eh? They're going so fast. Just like any shearing force in the knee, just boom, ligament yeah. gone. Like their legs and skis are just chattering around. They're skiing on ice. It's like, yeah. And I mean, no wonder they, they get them over and over is because they always probably try to come back as soon as possible. And then they, that happens again. And it's not that common in our sport because we don't really, we don't really crash in the way that would blow a knee. I mean, well, it's happened, but it's like really yeah. uncommon. Less common for sure. We're the heavy, heavy body impacts. We're like, we're bones. We're, <laughs> we're bones. Seriously though. Yeah. We break in BMX. We break a lot of bones. We bones. We body check dirt mounds, concrete berms. I mean, you name it. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what we're we're big on. Yeah. Um, we also had a question from the grandstand. What is a good age to start on the Supercross Hill? Yeah, this is a another yeah, really good question. I thought because I mean these days Supercross Hills are popping up all over their place. We have a, a construction of a new one in Canada, and this one came from a Canadian, Colin. Uh, how do you say his last name? Lolicher. Lolicher. Either way. Good guess. He sent the question. I thought it was you know kind of cool, interesting to discuss. I mean. My belief on the Supercross Hill is until you can really jump jumps very comfortably and properly, there's no point in trying to go up there and learning how to jump it. So it really just depends on the age that you've be, you become 
comfortable with that skill with jumping, jumping big jumps and having airtime. Yeah. And in my personal opinion, I think if like, if you're comfortable jumping and you can jump the first jump fine, like do it at any age. Yeah. I think it like age shouldn't be like the thing that like starts you on the hill. Like if you're a 12 year old kid and you can jump really well and you can do the first jump then, and you feel comfortable, I don't see a reason why not. And if you're 16 and you're not comfortable jumping the second straight, there's no way you should go on the super cross hill. Yeah. I think a lot of people undervalue how dangerous it is. Like, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it shouldn't just be like, oh, we're going to ride super cross today. And like, no, like you need to be really good on your bike and comfortable jumping and be able to control yourself in the air on smaller jumps to even think about going on the super cross hill. There are a lot of pros that if they haven't rode super cross in a while, they won't just go and jump the super cross hill or pro section or whatever. Yeah. You need to have a lot of respect for it. And I think a lot of people don't understand how dangerous it is and maybe don't respect it quite enough. Like it's, any crash at that speed, you're going to be fucked up. Yeah. And you, you need to make sure like you, um, you prepare the best you can. So you can, you can really be safe on, on supercross as much as possible. hundred percent. Say that twice again. Like, yeah, I agree that it's, it's not an age thing too. It's like a, it's an, a skill and ability level. And I, I'm a huge believer. I really hate when you, I see people doing this there. They're not comfortable jumping, but they're, they decide we're going to learn how to do the super cross hill. And, or it's like a, a little kid, like, let's just, let's get comfortable on the hill. If you want to ride it for fun, that's one thing, but getting comfortable when you're not jumping, there's no point to me. Like learn no. how to jump jumps properly, be comfortable with the skill. So when you go up the hill, it's not like, okay, I'm going to learn how to jump this. No, no, it's not learning. It's just, I'm going to go do it now. Like, cause it's just a jump at the end of the day. That's really the size of the jump and everything is it's the easiest jump as a pro on the track. It's the speed yeah. and the gap that gets most people that they're not familiar with. And I've seen it so many times and I know you have too. like these riders have, have never even jumped a first jump and then they go to a world cup or a race and then try and race supercross. Yeah. And then of course, inevitably they gather, get hurt in practice on the first jump and they try it the first time, or they just eat shit first round when they just send it and just like hope to God they make it. And it's just like every time it's just like who the, I just think who the fuck is, who the fuck is, is like giving these riders advice that's saying this is a good idea. Who's pushing them to do this because someone should be saying, no, you're not ready. Don't do it. Like there's no rush. There's no rush to do supercross, and there's no shame in not doing it. Like if you're, if you're not ready and you're not comfortable and you don't have the capabilities to do it, it's okay to be like, you know what? It's just, it's not for me, or I just not ready to do it yet. And I got a lot more respect for people that are like, yeah, you know, I just, I'm not feeling comfortable on it. I don't want to put myself in that position. Like that's okay. We need to normalize that. Being, yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I can't believe who's telling these kids or these riders to do it when they're clearly not ready. That's the, that's it's gnarly. Like there's do not just, that's, I hate that part too. When you go to a race and you know, there's people that are just going to have issues, but they're being sent for whatever reason to, to, I don't know, maybe hope and pray that they get something or they make it that one time and they survive and then they get a result. It's like, that's not the right, that you shouldn't, that's not the right headspace to be in, in my opinion. No, I don't know if it's like an ego thing. Like they just want to ride. They just want to say they did it or what, but it's like, there's no point to, to, no. to put yourself at risk of serious injury when you're, 100%. if you're not ready. Sometimes I almost feel like these tabletop jumps or tabletop safer style jumps almost promote people with less skill to try to jump the jump. And it's almost more dangerous. I'm not, it's definitely not more dangerous, but it is, it's a different kind of dangerous. It allows people to ride supercross that probably shouldn't be. Yeah. You're trying to, 
you're trying to jump and you're going at a speed that you probably should not be catching air for your ability. If it's like, okay, I'm going to jump because it's tabletop. Like, yeah, it's mentally easier, but you're still going really fast. You still got to catch the same air that you would if it was a gap jump. So need yeah. those same skills. And like we've talked about the, I mean, the hill is meant to, to be there so you could jump a bigger first jump and a double. And yeah, I think track builders in the past or associations have tried to make it safer, but it's like, well, you kind of need a double or a gap jump at the bottom and you, you really need to be able to handle your bike well on super cross. And yeah, the first jump might be a tabletop. So you might get across it and if you couldn't do a double, but you still need, need to be able to control your bike on the next jump and stuff. So it's like, well, then what are you going to do? Just make it, just make it a normal straightaway. Well then what, why do we have to hill? True. Yeah, I agree. It's like, it's what's the point? that's yeah. why I don't really like the, the, the tabletop stuff, which all these tracks have. I mean, it's like, I, I feel like we, they started getting filled in because people thought it was safer because yeah, there were, there are some instances in the past where let's say somebody gets cut off, they break, they launch in the middle and that's, mm -hmm. that can be gnarly for sure. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the gap jump forced you to be able to jump a gap jump. And then, I mean, then you learn how to jump it nowadays. Like I go back to, I think I kind of already said it, but it's like, now you got people trying to jump these jumps who shouldn't be jumping at the speeds that they're going. And then they have a worse crash or just a scenario of a crash on the backside of the landing just because it's tabletop and they got over to the other side. Like they're still having a high speed gnarly crash instead of one where they were trying to break and then they crashed. And the supercross was created for the elite level for the Olympics. It was created for like the 1% of the 1%. It's not yeah. meant for anyone to do it. Like it's just, it's not, it's, um, and that's just the sport. So, you know, if you, if you don't do the doubles and it's like, well, I don't think we should be making it so everyone can do it. Cause it's not, that wasn't the purpose of why it even came to the sport in general. Uh, yeah. It was meant to challenge and be like a, it was meant to challenge the best riders in the world and make it like extraordinary, which it is. And I think it should be kept that way. Granted, like, like you were saying in the past, some first doubles have had like a pit in the middle, which you probably don't need because of the odd time you need to roll, like you, you should be able to at least roll it safely and not yeah. flip the bars for sure. But there's a difference between that and having like a tabletop, of course. Yeah. hundred percent. And like coming back around to the actual, the question, how, what was the question here? Um, <laughs> yeah, boy, did we get on a tangent what, there. It's a rant. What is a good age to start on the supercross hill? Like, so let's say, I don't think it matters the age. Cause I, I was going to say like, we've had a couple of camps out of Abbotsford where, they, you know, a bunch of people are just invited out and there's some really young kids that have really good bike handling skills who send it and it doesn't look dangerous for them. It's just, mm. they're actually just getting over the fear of going fast and jumping a big jump. And it's not, their skill level is completely fine, but they're also very mm. young and very small too. So it's not an age thing, it's just a comfortability thing. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Cause everyone obviously progresses at different ages. Yeah. Great question. Yeah. How do you feel about case pads? Um, I understand. Yeah, I can, I understand a case pad. Like I understand the use for it and even having like a tabletop landing for people learning how to try just because it's like when you're learning it, you don't, you're, you need some reassurance that you can case it. Like you don't know how fast or how slow to go. You get to the pro level, you get a general idea of like, okay, if I go this fast, I'm going to be, I'm generally going to be okay. But before that, you really have no idea when you're a kid, sometimes you maybe just don't know. So I get that. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I think, I think a case pad is fine too. Like you get used to the super press seal, the lip and everything when you're younger and you might, like you get used to feeling what it's like to jump 
half the jump, three quarters of the jump before you send the whole thing. So like, I'm okay with that. And I'm also okay with like, for instance, the Chula Beijing track, the first rate's pretty small. It's not a bad idea either. Like you have smaller jumps that are still like gap jumps essentially that you have to do, but it's not like you're sending a 40 foot gnarly ass first jump. So you get more used to the first rate, which I think is good too. Yeah. Like you got a track like that for development. Um, but yeah, I think I'm good with both of those. Yeah, progression is good. Having ways to progress is good. The, the yeah. problem with case pads is you come back around to those people that only keep trying to jump over this case pad because they can't figure out how to clear the whole thing. So they just keep doing this case pad, case pad, keep tagging the case That's pad. That's when it becomes a problem. And then, That's, yeah, you're yeah. not you're not learning how to jump. You're just trying to find a way over this jump and you're not doing it properly. Oh, I mean like the wooden case pad. Is that what you're talking about? Too? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, we're on the same page, I think. Yeah, where it's like a gap jump to the case pad. Yeah, exactly. And you can jump like halfway and land on the wood and then ride the rest. Yeah. Like that's progression, yeah. but you got to progress off of that very quickly because once you jump it, you jump in it. Yeah. Yeah. Supercross is a fickle mistress. Yep. We're always finding ways to make it better, but guess what? You know, the best, the best place it's been is right now, right? <laughs> it is like, honestly, the like the, the stuff all the riders do now, like I'm constantly impressed with the speed and and skill level riders yeah the sport's awesome you see beth and zoe sending the triple in zold or in verona dude like that's sick that's the biggest jump i think they probably ever hit i think the most noticeable difference in the sport has been the progression of the elite women class and the um bmx racing and the women's like side of things in general like you look at like what beth and laura can do compared to elite women of 10 years ago and it's not even close to the same like they're fucking incredible and i mean the classes in general and women's racing in general has stepped up huge in the skill department it's it is yeah uh it's like look at zoe on a bike too like oh. of course mariana and elise and everyone but yeah. like the next prop is yeah amazing they know that skills are Skills are key. Yeah, the girls is younger than them. Like the U23 class, the amount of girls in that class that have a shit ton of skill can ride a bike. Like, I mean, probably better than a lot of the elites 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Look at what fucking good Mackenzie is on a bike. Yeah. She's unreal her skills. Like yeah. it's, and it's cool. Like, you, you know, like younger girls coming up, like really good amateurs or, or junior or whatever. Like they see these older women in the class and it, it's a good, um, good example and good like goal to set after. Really? I agree. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I wasn't paying attention actually. So I just just kind of see insane things there, but yeah. <laughs> I was saying they have like younger, younger girls have good role models to look up to in terms of skill and overall riding ability and everything. Big time they do. Hey, that's huge. Dude, that you really know, helps. Makes it generational. hundred percent. It does. Yeah. Makes those girls want to work on those skills when they are, they're not worried about just going fast. Like let's get good. Yeah. Our boy, Mitchie, <laughs> Mitchie Schaefer in the chat, you know, he was saying, uh, I know in Oz, they have to be 14 to ride the eight meter hill. So. Yeah. Like, like I said, I don't agree with having a hardened age. No. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, Rock, we'll probably do a rock hill preview next week. I'm thinking. I think so. Yep. I'll are, you, be, are you going to rock? Hill? Yep, yeah. You're going to rock. Hill. Yeah. I'm going to rock hill. So we're leaving Thursday. Yeah, let's go. Sergeant Palm daddy. Fucking back on, be back on the circuit. Um, got a hell of a trip to get there. We're red eye Thursday night to Friday. Then we oh, wait, fuck yeah. dude. So I'm, I'm hoping I'm getting one of those upgrades. I, I tried my, I tried my best. I use my points and everything. I'm trying to get an upgrade so I can sleep on this red eye. And then I got to wait in the airport in Toronto for like seven hours, classic. And then, no. and then fly down to Rock Hill in the in the afternoon, evening time. It's just a, just a shitty trip. So, so you're getting in Thursday evening to Rock Hill. No, I'm getting in Friday evening. I leave Thursday evening. 
wait, this week you're going? I'm leaving this week. Yeah, we're going a week oh, early. Yeah, I thought you meant of the race. I was like, wait, what? No, that would be fucking gnarly. <laughs> I was like, that is what are you doing? The, the reason I was okay with this flight was because I was like, okay, we're going this early. Okay, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, you'll be fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah so you're going to be there the week of the race. Yeah. So we'll do a, we'll do a race uh, preview show next week, and I'll be there and do it over Zoom, obviously. Coffee Chat will be on the grounds in Rock Hill. We, do we have anybody in, no, we didn't have anybody in Oldsmar. I was going to say we've had somebody on the grounds, you know, 50% of the races so far. So yeah, we have keep it out. <laughs> okay. You're up. Winning starts at the great gate. The winner of uh, rock Hill is going to just, you know, come out like a rocket on a pro gate Europe. Absolute rocket. You got to get on a pro gate Europe people. Nobody's out there training for a janky rinky dink gate. Okay. You're training to race on a pro gate Europe. The races you want to win. They're on a pro gate Europe. You got to get one today. Absolutely. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Thanks to the YouTube listeners. We appreciate it. Thanks, everyone. Don't forget, snap on green. Snap on green. Well, what's this friggin' podcast all about? I don't get it, man. Coffee chatter? Get off my back, guys. <laughs> you have to be fussing the truck. I hate that guy. <laughs>